Okay. I don't like that one. No? Too much for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop messing with you. Okay. You got another one. Welcome to Strength and Recovery Podcast. We are sitting around the office, the alumni office at the St. Charles location today. And um, Henry, our alumni coordinator here, just pulled out a box of cards. So tell me what you're doing. Um, hey, Jay. <laughs> these cards right here. I like to use these here as a tool and how that works is um, sometimes I share with um, our, our, our patients here at RCA on how I start my mornings and usually that is with reading of literature, um, uh, prayer, uh, meditation and um, so oftentimes, most times, um, inspirational music and how I explain it is those are just tools to get me in the right mindset um, for what I have to do. These cards about self-reflection. And, and, the, and they're just, they're a deck of cards. They're a deck of cards. And they just say on them, I, I gotta put my glasses <laughs> on. <laughs> they just say self-reflection, self-reflection from Wellness Reproductions Publishing, Wellness Resources. These yeah. are super cool. Yeah, and how I use them is they ask the questions Excuse me, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This is uh, real and raw today. Yes, it is. And these cards, how they help, they they ask questions. And for the person who's dealing with addiction um, and in treatment for recovery, um, it allows them a chance to think, to -hmm. look inside themselves, to uh, and be honest with themselves and answer that question. And in doing so, it opens up a topic for discussion. And I don't know about it. Amber's here with us too. Um, she's an alum of RCA Capital Region, and we're super excited to have her on the team. Uh, but I don't know about you, but as soon as somebody says they're going to ask me a question, I'm like getting all nervous. Uh, so Henry's box of cards were not calming to me, especially self-reflection. What about you? No, I'm extremely nervous not knowing what's on the, the <laughs> side of that card. What I we- freeze up when I'm on the spot like that. And we've been doing that all day, haven't yeah. we? It's a great idea, though. Some of them are really good. They really get you thinking. And why do we think, I guess, I'm more comfortable asking the question, so I'm just going to ask the question. Why do we think uh, getting personal, getting vulnerable, looking at self-reflection can be so difficult? Uh, it's very difficult to look within it really really is to um, pull up those emotions those memories Um, it can be it can be a struggle Um, those are the things that we typically want to push deep down inside and not face Um, that's why it's at least that's why it's a struggle for me got any thoughts on that Mm, piggybacking off of what Amber just said it is Um, for myself for example um, I didn't plan on doing this, but I'll, I'll share something with you. Um, I've been struggling with what we, in the rooms, we, we, we call it um, unresolved resentments. Mm. And um, how that happened, I was actually in, uh, a part of a big book study. I was sharing in a big book study, and we were dealing with um, fourth step. And in reading the fourth step, I was sharing. And as I was sharing, um, something impactful came back up. And it just hit me in my chest, and um, I had a difficult time completing my share, at least talking about what I was um, dealing with. And it was something, like Amber just said, I had pushed down. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I had dealt with it. I thought that it was 
a resolved issue. And um, just for the sake of transparency, it was an issue concerning my dad. Mm. And a lot of my um, struggles were based on my relationship with my father. And the thing is, like this, I'm going to go back to this card yeah. here. He, he's going to get us in those cards. <laughs> I am One trying to, look at me trying to avoid this. <laughs> and Henry come right back out to those cards. This particular card in my hand, <laughs> look, it says, it says, share something for which you have forgiven yourself. Oh, what good. were your feelings and how did you start the process of forgiving yourself? Now, just with that card right there, I can answer, I could say, I could share something mm. about not forgiving myself for something. But in reading this card and in line with the topic I was just saying concerning unresolved resentments, it came to me that um, even though I thought I had dealt with it, um, I hadn't. Mm. And it came to find out that it's because I had pushed it down. Just like Amber said, I had pushed it down and I wanted to forget about it Mm -hmm. because, you know, a form of PTSD, it was something I didn't want to face. I, I thought that I did. But on a subconscious level, I hadn't completely gotten over it. And it's one of those issues where it was about forgiveness. Not forgiveness of myself, but forgiveness of my father for the things that he has done, for the, uh, the way he treated myself, my brother, my mother. And I'm dealing with it now. Yeah. I am talking about it. I am, um, you know, I shared it with, with, with Amber and Amber said I should speak to my sponsor about it, which I did. And we're, we're working it out. As a matter of fact, um, I was given a good piece of advice. It was about, uh, and it comes from the big book. And the big book teaches in, in um, working with through your fourth step about, we have a, you know, you've ever heard the saying that sick people, that, that hurt people, hurt people? Absolutely. It's that same, same thing. I had to look at where my dad's, his, his environment that he grew up in, his relationship with his father, and why he was the man that he was. And in doing so, I had to look at how that relationship affected my relationship with my father. And I think that what I came, came to is this. He was doing the best that he could. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, envi- the way he grew up, the environment he grew up in, being a dad to him was being you know, that strong, disciplinarian, you know, heavy-handed. He thought what he was doing was the best thing to do. Yeah. It was not good for me. (laughs) It wasn't, you know, the best environment for for me to be in. But I'm slowly starting to understand because of the environment he grew up in and the way he was raised. As a father, he was doing the best he could. So I'm still working on it, but I'm getting better with forgiving my dad for... uh, the way he behaved as a, as a father so i don't know where that, where that's going but that's that and i think there's a there's a <laughs> sense at which maybe early in recovery or maybe there's a time and place to deal with those things when you have the resources and the skills it's like this is coming back up now because you've got the strength to handle it there you go yeah. maybe put- reframing it in that like okay I can think about this broader. I, I've got some new new tools in my toolbox that I've honed a little bit that I know how to use that I can apply to what mm-hmm. was a difficult situation. Yeah. Jay, I like how you put that. It's it's about 
because I think that's probably why early in my recovery I pushed it down or in my mind I thought I had resolved it but truthfully I hadn't what I did I just it was like a project I was working on and I just didn't complete it mm-hmm. but now like you said now that I have the tools to complete or to, to face the job better I'm better equipped there you go yep. I'm better equipped you know to deal with certain situations to actually live and confront life you know on life terms as we say um and being able to do so in a more comfortable environment, meaning I know how to see things, well, how to visit, you know, I view things differently now. Yeah. And it's all because of, you know, the tools that I have now, the people I surround myself with, the people I can have conversations with, things like that. So you're right. What I didn't have early on is the reason why, you know, it was never resolved. And now I can, you know, it can be resolved now because now I have the tools. I'm equipped. I'm better equipped. Thank you. You just giving me another piece it's a perfect (laughs) thing to go along with more will be revealed there you go (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what that means there you go you know higher power reveals that when you're ready to deal with it yeah talk a little bit more about that i i mean yeah it's being talking about that with self-reflection like early on for me in my recovery i wasn't able to even look inward like that at all because I was not ready to deal with the emotions the traumas from my past to worry about the trauma my parents put me through um but slowly over time as I got a little recovery under my my belt and I started relying on a higher power and I started working the steps um and having the fellowship all of those things together um you know my higher power slowly revealed revealed to me you know different areas in my life which I was ready to face overcome or uncover discover and discard so to speak don't you think that's a little bit of the fear of entering recovery maybe even entering treatment is like no i got stuff and i'm not ready to unpack this yet and if i go right into treatment they're gonna start picking at this stuff and i'm not ready to pull the scab off quite yet yeah i just got it you know covered over right and I think that's the beauty of someone and the surprise of, of what we do when someone enters treatment it's like no we're we're not gonna try to unpack this all in 30 days and, mm-hmm. and wrap it up in a bow we're gonna put you on a path where you're gonna meet people you're gonna meet maybe sponsors you're gonna meet peers in recovery you're gonna meet a therapist maybe you need a pastor maybe you need all of these pieces of this puzzle where you can start to unpack this on a journey right yeah absolutely i think too um it's difficult because you know when i came into treatment i was very much playing the victim I smoke. I spoke victimese all day long, and I it was everyone else's fault. And as you know, that's what I did my whole life. Telling victimese. That's a that's a new one. I love that. I got that from my sponsor. Um, Yeah, just playing the victim all the time. It was always everybody else. So I spoke that very well. You know, I used it to gain sympathy, to gain self pity from people or to gain pity from people to live in self pity, um, blaming everybody else for everything that ever happened to me. Um, but you know, slowly realizing that 
99% of the choices I made in my life, you know, were my choices. They weren't other people. It wasn't everyone else's fault. But And, and you, know, you can have both, right? Like bad yeah. things can have happened. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. To and us. it might not be my fault, right? And, but right. yet... I still need someone to blame, though. Mm. You know, it, it, when, it, when it usually isn't my fault, in reality, I blame myself for it. Anyway self-crucify myself on the inside but yeah uh coming into treatment no you don't that's really scary that was really scary for me to have these new memories pop up of uh different traumas and then like well how am I going to deal with it and it became overwhelming you know but really again you know my higher power was just bringing to the surface the things that I needed to deal with in that moment or in that 30 days you know, and then the next 30, and then the next 30, you know, it was something else. So it is a process. But I think, you know, myself included, we, we, we get sober, and everything just floods right back. And now we're trying to, to separate all these different things, thinking that, yeah, we have to deal with it today, like everything has to be solved today. What's the saying, like, the best thing about being sober is you have all these new feelings and emotions. And yeah. the worst thing about being yes, sober is you have same. all these new feelings, <laughs> feelings and, and emotions. emotions. Yeah. Yes. Learning how to navigate just the emotions alone is very overwhelming. Um, I used to say all the time, like, oh, I, I, I feel, you know, this or I feel that this sucks. Like, I don't I don't like feeling. But I knew, you know, that was necessary. Like, that's what mm. normal people do is have feelings. So, um yeah. We really, had to learn to have feelings really like learn normal people. Over again. You sound yeah. a little bitter about that. Yeah, <laughs> well, because they do. I mean, honestly, sometimes, you know, having uh, my heart broken or have, being full of anxiety, it sucks. Yeah. But I, I learned the, the, the coping skills to get through that, yeah. you know, and I know that those feelings don't last forever. It's just a feeling it will pass no matter mm-hmm. what it is. And then our, I think one of the biggest <clears throat> things through time that I've learned just speaking for myself is that feelings aren't facts they're not facts no not at all (laughs) you know I I can remember I used to tell my kids that all the time feelings aren't facts you know that was kind of saying in our house and I'm teaching my daughter to drive and she comes up to a stop sign and she had no sense of direction it was so crazy (laughs) and the phones had ruined them for life they have gps and so I was like, it was a road she'd been on a million times. And I was, she's like, which way do I go? Which way do I go? And I'm like, well, which way feels right? And she goes, feelings aren't facts, mom. <laughs> feelings aren't facts. Tell me which way to go. Like, so she, that one came back to bite me. But yeah, I mean, uh, how we feel today isn't necessarily how we'll feel tomorrow. And it's not necessarily true. Right. Like what we tell ourselves is, you know, and, and, and my feeling about something in a moment. Right. That's a, that's a hard lesson to learn. It is. Yeah. Because in the moment, like, it feels really real. Mm. Right? Yeah. If you don't mind, I wanted to go back to what Amber said something, and it, 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 it's, it's so true what you said about choice. What, you know, choosing that, that basically, I, when you said it, I was thinking, uh, you know, even though my dad was the kind of man that he was, and even I understand that he, um, he was doing his best, um, I can't put all the fault, all the blame on him. That's what you were someone along those mm-hmm. lines. I still had a choice in my drinking and my drug use. Um, I know I would love to just say, well, it's all dad's fault. But truth be told, um, I did get, I'm at a certain age. Mm-hmm. 
but dad, even though, you know, he had an impact on me and it may have been a negative one, but I still had a choice and I still have a choice. And that's so that's and what came to me was this, that um, the power to choose. I have the power of choice. And today I choose to be sober. I choose not to use. I choose not to drink. Um, and I don't know. I just, it just popped in my head. And I just want to share it real quick. Yeah. <laughs> because the power to choose is so important when it comes to uh, dealing with sobriety and, and being recovered from addiction. Um, we have that power. Um, it comes in the form of our higher power. You know, it comes in the form of the rooms, the recovery rooms. Um, it comes in the fellowship. But the power is there. We have to use it. Um, and if we don't, then it's, it's, it's the reason I think we, what do we say? We surrender the outcome. So if I don't choose to use the power, if I don't choose, you know, to make the right decisions, the outcome is on me. I have to surrender to that. And it isn't, I mean, it comes down, go back to psychology, just taking back your autonomy. Mm, yes. That's it. Giving yourself, you know, I, I do have choices in this situation right. and, and that that does give you it can also be uh, go, going back to the feelings of anxiety and overwhelm now i'm responsible if i take that autonomy you know before if i i blamed fault or i blame dad or i blame uh, the bad guy in my life then i'm not responsible when i start taking back my own return autonomy yeah yeah then you you have the power that right. gives you the power over that's something i never understood i you know i always let everything else have the power over my life but it was really in my choices really looking at it that my own choices that I've made you know that has my life ended up the way it did because of all the choices that I made um and even if there were choices you know things that had happened to me that were at no fault of my own I chose to carry it with me and let it affect me the rest of my life so when I switched over and was able to self-reflect and realize that um you know my life you know I need to be responsible for my own actions my own life um that gave me the power to actually bring about the change that was necessary for me was you know admitting that um yeah <laughs> my poor choices got me to where I am today but I'm going to take that power back today it put you in the driver's seat yeah put me straight in the driver's seat and you know and most of us like control Right. <laughs> well, I do. I definitely do. I like control. Right. <laughs> yes. And being, you know, accountable, responsible for my own actions, my own choices, that gives me the power that I needed mm. to, um, you know, change my life for the better. What are the cards you got in there, Henry? <laughs> this one I'm looking at right now says, share your concept. Share your concept oh. of your higher power. That's ah. a good one. Yeah. I can speak to that um, Henry likes these he cards does. he loves them <laughs> you know, um, for a long time um, I'll I share it like this here growing up growing up my mom and dad they didn't they didn't um, they didn't take me to church mm -hmm. so to speak they didn't, they didn't take me to church they um, they sent me to church mm -hmm. you know we had a church on the corner from where I live and they would say go to church and I would go and and I would just listen to how people, how the preacher would talk about God and his concept of God or his mm -hmm. version of God. And I'm a, I'm a kid. This is when I'm maybe 12, 13 years old. But you got to remember, this is the thing. Uh, when I was 12, 13 years old, the home that I used to go back to. Mm -hmm. So the home that I used to go back to was not 
conducive to the God that this man was talking about. Mm. So I grew up with that. And when I did finally become a man and, 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 and you know, get out on my own, my understanding was God was never the same as the one I heard in church. Um, it, it took, you know, a long time and a lot of pain, a lot of struggling to finally understand my own understanding of God, my own concept of God. And believe it or not, I got that understanding from being in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Someone I, when I was actually introduced to the concept of God, of my understanding and my concept of God, how I saw it was this. Um, and I, I share this with, I can't control the way my heart beats. I can't stop my heart and start, start it back. Um, the way my lungs allow me to breathe, the way my eyes focus, the way I, anything that I do inside this body, I have no control over it. And my thing is, whoever controls that, whoever created that, that to me is God. Now, how I use that is um, the vertical and horizontal. For me, the concept of God is creation. He created me. And I say he, I'm sorry if I offend somebody, but God created me. And in creating me, he created everything around me. With that understanding, I have a relationship with the creator of myself, the one who created me. And that gives me what I call a vertical understanding or a vertical relationship of God. Now, because of that relationship, I now have a relationship with, in the rooms we call it our fellows. Mm-hmm. I have a relationship with my fellows, the people around me which gives me a horizontal relationship with the people around me. So I know it comes in the form of a cross, mm. and that's just a representation of a religion that I happen to follow. Um, and that's how I get the concept of God. God is creator. The same God that created me, created everything that I see, everything that's around me. I have a relationship with that creation, with that creator, which gives me a relationship with the people around me. And, and with that being understood for me, it, you know, it gives me a sense of um, content, a sense of peace, serenity, we call it. So that's my concept of God. And that's how when I feel bad, when I feel out of place, I don't say, you know, I have a problem. <laughs> I look up to my creator and say, you got a problem. You've got a problem. And you got to fix it. And then I leave it, in, you know, I leave it to my God. That's my understanding of God, yeah. my concept. That's how about you? My concept? Um, (laughs) I struggled with that concept at first. I mean, I'm straight up big book style, right? Like, I I, um, struggled with uh, the word God because I I was always raised to believe um, the fire and brimstone, you're going to hell, God. Um, Nobody ever taught me the the loving part of that. So I had a problem with that. Um, You know, it was always used as a scare tactic growing up. You know, you're going to go to hell. You know, you're so bad. This is what's going to happen. So I couldn't grasp on to the word God. But as I went through the big book and, um, you know, it said you can create your own conception of God. And I didn't know that I could do that. I thought I was stuck with the God from my childhood, the religious God that was used to scare me all the time. So I didn't even know that was possible until I got a sponsor and started working the steps. And that worked for me. I had to write down my own conception of what a higher power was, what God was. And I wrote down, you know, pretty much 
you know, God is in all things is loving and kind and not judgmental and caring. You know, it's everything. And like you said, right, something makes the sunrise and sunset and it ain't me, you know, and my God is in all things um, that worked for me in the beginning. That is all that I needed was um, nature, mother nature, just everything. You know, God is the creator of all, just like you said, with the creator. But I couldn't I had to forget the religious God of growing up, my childhood God. I had to put it out of my mind and completely uh, gain a new idea of what that word God meant to me or higher power. Um, I use both. Um, but, and it's funny how it changes over the years. Now, over the years, sometimes that religious God from my past pops back up in my life. Some days it's my original uh, you know, concept of what a higher power is. Um, and I, I'm sure in a couple more years, it's going to change into something else. But for me, um, that, that's my own conception. Just it's my higher powers and everything. Like you said, the creator of everything, um, the air I breathe, you know, the, the, the tides, the sun going up, the sun going down. Um, that is that that that's all I got. Yours is all like in depth and all this good stuff. Mine's basic. That's basic concept of higher Get power. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit more about you. You said you you have that morning that discipline the routine. Um, do you have that as well, Amber? Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> it started in RCA. You know, getting up and doing the daily readings, the Just for Today and the NA, uh, the daily reflections. When I got out, I kept that routine. Um, and now I implement other daily readings as well, celebrate recovery and life recovery into that. And then I have, you know, the me- short meditation time in the morning. Um, if I don't start my day out on that routine, um, my day is already off. Um, and then, you know, I go into my regular routine, but I always have to start the morning with recovery. And how different is that from when you were in active addiction, just having that sense of routine? Oh, well, that depended on if you had, if you had enough drugs or alcohol in the morning, (laughs) you know, um, routine was not, it was all over the place. There was no routine for me anyway. I had no routine other than wake up, make sure I have enough drugs or money to get drugs or ride to go get drugs. Um, is, you know, how my morning went, you know, it was no, it was just hit or miss was no uh, structure at all. If I had to explain it, I was, I would put it in, in, in the context of it had no, my life, it had no purpose. Mm, um, that's I, really good. When I used to when I used to get up in my active addiction, and I'm talking not um, just being in the streets or anything. I'm talking about with a, with a wife and kids and going to work. I, I would wake up um, just like Amber. If I didn't have what I needed to get the day started, it was not it wasn't right for me. But if I woke up in the morning, opposite of what I, how I wake up now. And I would just walk out the door with no sense of direction, no purpose. I would just walk out the door and hopefully I'd make it back home. And I don't mean like I'm going into the street to some war or anything, but my mind was racing all the time on trying to, you know, get high, to drink or whatever. It was never any direction. It was just, you know, hit or miss. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just, I'm so grateful by the grace of God that today I wake up and I'm actually grateful that I woke up. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that I get to, even right here, 
I, I share this with the, with, the, with the guys on the, on the campus that um, I get out of my car in the parking lot, right? And I walk up to this campus and I get to look across this field and it's a, it's a beautiful campus. And I just think about how, how blessed I am that this is what I get to call my work, which isn't work. It's a, it's a gift. It's a gift. And, I, and I'm focused when I come here. And my main focus is this, to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's my whole reason for coming in here every day is I get an opportunity to help somebody else, to give somebody what somebody else gave me. And how do you teach for people to find their purpose? I think that's a real struggle, you know, I think it's a struggle for everybody, right? Yeah. What am I, why am I here? Why there am you I, go. Oh, that's, yeah. Jay, that's a good question. And, and thanks mm-hmm. for even asking that because I actually said it to one, 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 one patient, um, but anyway, yeah. um, someone asked me, like, why do I do this? And I know the big book answer is that, you know, we, we give it away. Not the big book, but in the rooms we say we give it away in order to keep it. And how does that work? Um, when I'm sharing, like I'm talking to you guys right now, but I hear the words coming out of my mouth mm-hmm. when I'm sharing with the patient. I hear what I'm saying. So not only I, call, I can say that that's the giving away piece, but because I hear it. And I understand what's going on. And sometimes even my own voice um, and what I'm sharing can have an emotional impact on me. Mm-hmm. In a sense, it'll take me back to that place. I'm not trying to go there now, but I remember. And sometimes it's not always, you know, sharing does that for me. But what happens when I give it to someone else and they're impacted by it and they, they, they say or they start you know, behaving in a way that changes them. I feel a sense of pride in myself, not boastful pride, but a pride that I did something to help someone else. Mm. So I stepped outside of myself. And it's, it's in that. So service. There you go. Mm, yes. That's basically what I'm getting back to. It's the serving piece mm. that helps me. And I actually, I can tell you another, it's this, this I've shared on the other podcast. <laughs> um, I consider myself a servant helper. And I once shared that with somebody and they told me that that I was more than a servant. But see, they misunderstood what I meant by servant. I don't mean servant in the sense that I'm forced to do what I do or, you know, to be in a, in a subservient um, position. No, mm. I'm a servant in the fact that I'm 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 grateful to be able to help somebody else. I'm mm. grateful to be able to be of use to somebody else. And we I know I almost said, but I know that in serving I don't. I serve because of my higher power. My higher uh-huh. power blesses me, and I don't want to say I owe, but out of gratitude, out of gratitude, I, I, I want to help somebody else. And the question was, how do I find purpose? How do you how teach, do I teach others to purpose? find purpose? Like you know, I think that's really hard, it especially is for hard. young people. You know, I spent a lot of time years in education and working with college students and. There's some that get to that stage of life. It's just, I'm so lost. What do all, I do? All I can say to that is, and this is what I told the gentleman was, if it brings you peace, if, it, if you feel content doing it, then it's your purpose. If it's something that, you know, there's, there, there's, there's a sense of, um, what do you call it, passion. There's a passion for it. Mm-hmm. And I believe another word for passion is sacrifice. If you feel, if what you're doing brings you a sense of pleasure, contentment, and, you know, you're just generally all around happy for helping someone else, then that's got to be... I think I think maybe what people miss sometimes is that helping other people part. <laughs> because we say, yeah. you know, it's, it's... I think we've raised a generation 
where it's like find find what makes you happy and you'll never work a day in your life right. well that doesn't always pay the bills right sometimes we have to go to work to right. pay the bills there you, go. you may not get to do something for a career that fulfills you 100% hmm. completely when you got a wife and two kids and you got to pay bills. You, go. or, right. you know, you got all the things, right? So I, I like what you're saying when you add service to other people. Hmm. It that, gives you purpose beyond our responsibilities. Oh, I like that, Jay. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. What do you think, Amber? Well, I can only share my experience with that. I walked around my whole life wondering what my purpose was. Mm. Um, I would cry about it. Like, what is the yeah. reason I'm here? I literally have no purpose. I'm just a lump sucking up oxygen. Um, so, you know, I, again, I found my purpose in life when I got sober and started working with others. Um, once I started being of service to other people, you know, and it started out small, just learning to be of service is a process. And you didn't start out working in recovery. No, I did not start. No, my service works really started when I was in, uh, in RCA as a patient. Um, and I just, for whatever reason, just started helping the people that would just come in, you know, their first day, their second day and show them around. And that started to make me feel good to do that. So I'm all about making myself feel good. You know what I mean? So, you know, it kind of went from there. But then once I got out and I joined a program, um, you know, and learning that I have to act selfish, selflessly, start doing for others and thinking of other people, the blessings will start coming back to me. How do you bring that sense of purpose to the mundane, to, because I, I don't, I don't know if it's okay to share. We can. Yeah. But, like, you probably weren't working your dream job the moment you got out of recovery. No, not at all. Or no. out of treatment. I hated the job I was working when I got out. But you did it. But I did it because I had to. So how do you bring that purpose to the mundane? Well, again, my experience, you know, by going to meetings, number one, and, you know, learning to be of service to the people in those meetings, and then after that, branching out to being of service to people uh, all around me, even on my job. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if it wasn't for having a relationship with a higher power and, you know, even wanting to do those things, I never would have gotten to the place where, you know, I'm working my dream job and I finally have a purpose do after you, 40 years. Do you have years. a memory of doing an, an act of service, either one of you, that you would have never done before and going, oh my goodness, this is a new me? <laughs> small little acts of service um buying people um coffee you know in the line at starbucks for no reason other than to be nice because that would have never happened and that's a little random act of being a service to someone else right off the top of my head that was so not me i have one um actually now it, it doesn't seem strange at all but um when i when i did get sober <laughs> the first time I ever um, served in a food line, in a food kitchen, okay. that was it. And I've, sh I've shared, I, mean, I told you about, uh, a friend of mine actually came through that line. Mm -hmm. And he didn't see me until he raised his head to take the food. And the, when we locked eyes, um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a moment. It was a moment. Yeah, because I could have been exactly where he was because we lived the same lifestyle. 
But um, the fact that I had, it, I knew I had changed because one, I felt, you know what? It was one of those, those moments when you, um, in my active addiction, I would say like, you know, you gotta be crazy to stand up there and serve somebody else, you know? And it, it just, it was, it, was, it was not something I saw as being, you know, a random act of kindness didn't exist. I didn't, I didn't know what that was. And then for me to be, you know, to be removed from that place, meaning, I don't know which place, but to actually be serving somebody else and feel glad about it. Mm-hmm. That, 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 <laughs> you know, when I knew I had changed, I knew I wanted to, I, this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Not being paid for it, just showed up and helped. And I've been doing that and I hope to continue doing it. Yeah, I think, the only other one off the top of my head is sharing my experience, strength, and hope with other people. Oh, that's a good that's, one. Because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound like that was ever something you would get up in front of a crowd oh. of people and talk. No. About anything, no. let alone <laughs> your experience, strength, and hope. Not at all. I was the complete opposite. Um, you know. <laughs> um, and but, we had you speak, just, yeah. just to give everyone a firm reference, she spoke at our Capital Region alumni event. 200 people there, tons of alums. Yeah. I mean, and you were fabulous. Oh, thank you. I was nervous, but I still do it because it is helping other people. I know now that. You know, even if I think that my story might not be as bad as someone else's or, but I know now that it's my story and it will help other people. So how, what was that like that agreeing to do that for the first time? Oh, it was scary. I was very, very nervous. Um, was it something you had said, no, I'm not doing that? Um, I said, well, cause I'm a people pleaser. I automatically will say <laughs> yes. And then I'm like, oh, I should have never said that. And then, and then I'm thinking you're getting of getting a sore throat. Yes. And <laughs> yes. But, uh, Tummy ache. Yes. I'm sorry, I can't My be there today. My hands were sweating. Yeah. Look, coming up with the excuses not to do it, but I did it anyway, mm. but I just, to get through it. At the beginning, I'm like, I am so nervous. I really hope I don't mess this up. Uh, And then I just did it. And once I did that for the first time, it was, it was weird. It was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. Now in the beginning, sharing my story now, like I can, like an emotional thing happens when you're done because you've talked about certain things. So the next day can kind of be off. At least it was for me in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. But I did it. And once I did that for the first time and people were nodding their heads at me or saying, yeah, me too. There's no feeling like that um, in helping someone else by sharing my experience helps other people. And, you know, from there, I just was like, I'm game. I'll do it because... There, there is. There's nothing like the feeling of saying someone, we, man, me too. You helped me a lot with that. And here, again, I think my story's like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's nothing. But it's really not. To someone else, mm-hmm. it can be, um, you know, a, a life lifesaver to someone else, you know. So um, that gave me my purpose. And um, that is, yeah, the, the best uh, <laughs> being of service that I can do. So... Yeah, that's good. What other cards you got, Henry? <laughs> I mean, pull another card from the deck. Another card. I don't know about that one. Oh, let's see what this says. 
It says, <laughs> what fairy tale character would you represent, would, would most represent you? Please explain. It just popped in my head as I read it. He was going to put it away till he got an answer. <laughs> yeah. He didn't no, care no. about us having no. an answer. No. It, as I read it, <laughs> what fairy tale character would most represent you? Please explain. The Beast from Beauty and the Beast. Misunderstood. And if you in the story, not just misunderstood, but he was so self-centered. Mm. It was all about himself in the beginning. And he had to go through something, meaning being transformed to a beast. Um, oh, wow, I'm thinking of that story, too. He had to go through that. He had to be transformed into a beast and experience life like that in that state. And someone had to actually what? Care for him, which he cared for nobody, but somebody had to care for him in order for that spell to be broken. Yeah, I think because in the beginning, when I, oh, that one kind of got me. (laughs) (laughs) Early in my addiction, throughout my addiction, that was me. I was so self-centered. I was so much into myself and what I could get, even from other people. You know, I didn't care about how I treated people or how I, my, you know, what I did to them and how it affected them. You know, it was all about Henry. It was all about me. And it actually took for, you know, I'm thinking about my wife right now. It took for somebody else to actually, you know, stand with me and understand. <clears throat> wow. I wasn't, I wasn't that bad of a person. I was a mess. But my wife has been with me for 26 years now. Mm. 25, I'm sorry. I just turned 25. 25 years now. Throughout my addiction, she's still there. Yeah, because she didn't see what I was, or how I saw myself. Mm. You know, the way I treated people. I think she met me. I, I know for a fact she met me during a time you know when I was not addicted you know in my addiction I've had those moments where I put together a little time and and, and, and I, when I wasn't using or drinking and I think God had to have a hand in that I met her in one of those gaps mm-hmm. so when that other person showed up my addicted self showed up the beast part of me showed up she knew knew me different than that that wasn't me and she stood with me through it out throughout it all and uh, wow, that is so incredible. That's coming in my head right now. Thank. You. That's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a question for me. I can't think of one fairy no, tale. Uh, me either. Character <laughs> at all. Henry, you can draw another card. <laughs> yeah, like Forrest Gump said. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> uh oh. You want to hit this one? It depends on what it is. I saw the word fear, but it says share what it feels like mm. to you when you feel fear, both physically and emotionally. And it asks another part. What is the, a healthy way of coping with fear? And that's a good one. Yeah, mm. that's a little in-depth. Um, for me... I mean, what it feels like when I'm afraid, I get um, anxiety. Um, Yeah, that's hard for me to describe. Um, I'm not good at expressing how I feel. (laughs) But uh, 
my mind starts to race. Um, I will start to isolate. I will come up with excuses of not reasons why I'm not going to do something. Um, my heart will race. My hands will sweat. Um, but today, the I mean, I'm sure there's a, a lot more that goes into that. But today, um, the healthy way that I cope with that today is I rely on my higher power fear is so enthreaded in me it, it it goes so far down and it applies to every area of my life um and if I let uh that control me it will stop me from doing just about anything and the only way that I can cope with getting over my fear is um asking my higher power to remove that fear give me courage now that's usually where I go now sometimes in my if I'm afraid, I can share about it with another alcoholic or addict um, and just sharing that feeling, expressing how I feel and then getting maybe a little feedback will give me the courage. But nine times out of ten, it's my higher power. And don't you think fear is tricky? Like you can get over a fear and it comes back on you, that yeah. same fear, and you have to go through. Yeah. You have to push back. Yeah. You kind of have to take your we go back to that autonomy we go right. back to that control that power yeah oh. wait a minute yeah i've already gone through this and you have to completely do the cycle again yeah it never goes away a uh, fear of judgment <laughs> that pops up i'm, I'm <laughs> afraid of people judging me but i know that you know that it just the reality of that is nobody's judging me <laughs> you know what i mean and even if they are it doesn't matter um, but I have to constantly tell that. Yeah, I can get rid of that today, but it'll be back tomorrow. It'll, it'll come, right, it'll back come right back tomorrow. So. And I think that's what we, sometimes we misunderstand. It's like, well, I didn't. It didn't work for me because right. it's coming back. And right. no, it worked. You just got to keep working. Keep doing it, it right? Yeah. You got to keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And those are the things that you know because I work a program and you know giving that stuff and asking god to remove those defects that's a character defect for me is fear mm -hmm. and you know i have to constantly on a daily basis ask god to remove that fear but if it pops up which it does yeah just spot check and talk to myself yeah. you know face that fear um think about how uh it is in the real reality and not the fear-based reality i'm creating in my mind um but yeah this has been so good Thank you both for sharing with us today. Thank you listeners for joining us on the podcast. If you have a question you'd like to ask Amber or Henry or myself, or just that we could use on a future podcast, inbox us. We would love to hear from you. Love to hear your ideas and your thoughts on the podcast. Um, if you would give us a little review on the podcast, we would love that. Uh, give us all the stars you can give us. And, um, uh, we just want to be of service. I think this, this is the biggest thing about the podcast is sharing experience, strength, and hope of our alums and our and our coordinators and other staff and friends of RCA, and then just really giving back and being of service. So thank you for listening today. Um, thank you, Amber and Henry. You're welcome. Um, for all you do for our alums. Check out rcaalumni.com for a full calendar of events coming near you soon.
for listening to the Strength and Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tap the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from our listeners and hope to reach more of you out there as we continue to share these incredible stories of recovery. The RCA alumni team aims to provide a safe, supportive environment for those in the recovery community, regardless of their affiliation with RCA. We host a full calendar of virtual and in-person meetings seven days a week, 365 days a year, as well as free sober events every month. To learn more about what we do, find us at rcaalumni.com. Remember, if you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, pick up the phone and dial 1-833-RCA-ALUM. Help is available 24-7. Listen to another episode now or join us next time for the Strength and Recovery Podcast.